This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back, everybody, or welcome back to us. Welcome back to you. We're here back again for another season of the Black and Blue Report podcast. Our new season starts here as the Saints gear up for Training Camp 2017, presented by Verizon. And welcome into Studio B at the Oshier Sports Performance Center. That is uh, our new moniker here for the entire campus of the Saints and the Pelicans. And our podcast, of course, will cover both teams here starting today and all the way through uh, the entire Saints and Pelicans seasons and, of course, through the NFL draft. I think that's about when we ended up last year at the end of what I think was also our fourth season doing it. So welcome back, everybody. We're glad to be back with you. We've got kind of a new uh, way of doing things on this podcast. And with that, we welcome in John DeShazer, NewOrleansSaints.com, and my broadcast partner for the New Orleans Pelicans, Daniel Salerson, also here, studio host for the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, everybody's ready to go. Studio B is well air-conditioned, thank goodness, <laughs> because well. everything outside of these four walls room right now will not be as as football practice begins tomorrow. Yeah, it's uh, it's that time. So I guess, you know, to borrow a little something from Game of Thrones, I'm a big Game of Thrones guy. Yes, yes. Summer has come for House Benson. Oh, indeed. And now it's time to go out and burn up uh, and get ready for training. <laughs> you know, my moniker is hot but here. Hot yes. but home. So, you know, let, let's uh, let's get to it. That's true. I like that. Very catchy. Very catchy. And, Daniel, we won't have to do the long-distance thing this, this August, you know, uh, the last three years, John and I were in West Virginia, and we'd be shipping all of our interviews and podcast materials to you here in Studio B to produce and get out. Uh, you'll have to put up with us once again here after a few years away. It, it was nice not having you all here, I'm not going to lie. So I'm kind of bummed that it is back here, but I'll make do. All right. So Daniel may join us later in the show. We'll see. Yes. <laughs> um, our show's a little different, too. I mentioned that kind of the top is that uh, we've decided to kind of change things up. We're going to go a little more loose. I think we were trying to do a lot uh, and a lot consistently. Does that make sense? We were trying to do a weekday podcast every day that was efforted to be out by by noon or so. Um, And I think this go around, this new season, we're going to go Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And we always talk about no appointment radio. Well, maybe we weren't doing such a good job of that on our end. So we're going to make sure that we get you the right stuff. Uh, when we can get it, and then you can consume it as you have at your time and, and in your own way. So on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we'll alert you to uh, the new podcast and when it's up, and we'll also tell you about who's on uh, that particular day or if uh, Daniel, John, or I, or anybody else that uh, is here in the building um, happens to come up with something great on a Tuesday or Thursday, we may put it right out or we may tell you, hey, we were able to get so-and-so today to visit with us about the Saints or the Pelicans or the NBA or the NFL, and uh, we'll have that on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. So that's kind of what we'll we'll start to do, and uh, we'll play around with it. Today's Wednesday, uh, you know, the first day of basically training camp. I know the team won't be on the field till tomorrow, but today will be the first, and then so our next podcast will be then on Friday, and then we'll kind of go with Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And, And again, I think our goal is to have it out to you by midday or so, um, but if we got to wait on a great visit or John and I are waiting to get somebody after practice and we're on the practice field a little bit longer, we're going to hold things just so you have something that's worth your time. 
Makes sense. And right. also gives us a chance to get our creative juices flowing a little bit, not just interviews with features and other things that go about with our broadcast, whether it's Pelicans-related or Saints-related. So gives us some other chance to do some good things with the show. Absolutely. And some days John's just not as grumpy. Well, I'll just let you guys deal with that because you guys are pretty <laughs> much the hosts of, of said podcast, and I just kind of you know, toss in a bone every now and then, which is probably the way it should be. Well, um, <laughs> You won't be the only John, I think, on the podcast this fall. John Kuhn, I think, is going to be a, quite a regular here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll have more on that soon enough. You may have heard me uh, mention the Ostner Sports Performance Center uh, at the top of our show today. Uh, John, later on today, will be visiting with Saints and Pelicans President Dennis Lasha uh, and, and the good folks at, at Ostner as well and talking about what that all means uh, for this campus and the synergy that goes along with with the, the the great entities and and the existing partnership already between the Saints slash Pelicans and and our good friends at Osher Sports Medicine, so uh, that'll be a bit later in the show. We've got to uh, we've got a preview training camp here, JD. Um, but I also don't want to um, get out of here on our first podcast, Daniel, with also not bringing up what is turning out to be a pretty eventful summer for the New Orleans Pelicans too, as they're about to kind of enter their quiet time. Uh, we'll kind of maybe put a wrap three of us on some Pelicans thoughts on the on our on our inaugural show here today of this season as well. So, uh, with that being said, John, uh, we probably should jump into things here with regards to the New Orleans Saints as the schedule presents itself on this Wednesday. Uh, we expect Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis to do what they've done year in and year out, and that's to kind of kick things off with their, I guess, the state of the program or state of the team address uh, to the media later today. Obviously on NewOrleansSaints.com. But that kind of gets things going. And uh, like you said, hot but here, but it's here. Um, and I'm sure that'll be also on their minds as, as uh, we've heard the last three years. You know, they've talked about the West Virginia experience and what Camp Greenbrier was supposed to mean. So I'm sure we'll get all the questions in reverse today before we can get, even get to the team. Those two gentlemen will have to address the fact that Camp has returned home. Uh, it is a fresh new, um, I guess, way, even though we've done this before here. It's... It's a change-up from the last three years, and uh, I, I guess that's where the conversation starts. Yeah, I mean, it's it has to be a concern, the conditions, uh, because you have to be wary of guys remaining hydrated. I mean, this is where uh, I think Sean Payton was saying a lot of, you know, you get the soft tissue injuries and those kinds of things. However, now Dennis Allen, defensive coordinator, said he kind of likes the idea of being here in the heat because you test a guy's mettle so to speak. You find out, you know, how the, the how he pushes through, how he handles adversity because there are going to be adverse conditions. We're in South Louisiana, man, it's hot. And so now you're talking about guys are exhausted, uh, probably a little, maybe a little dehydrated. Uh, and the first thing that happens with fatigue is, you know, physically, mentally, you start to, to break down somewhat. You start to stray. And so you got to find guys who are able to fight through it mentally uh, when the conditions are as adverse as they will be. Mm -hmm. and, and that, I think, uh, I think Dennis Allen likes the thought of guys kind of building up that mental toughness. Now, are the Saints going to be playing in those kind of conditions? Well, not unless they play Tampa Bay in September. Otherwise, they're going to be in domes <laughs> and those kind of facilities. But I think um, from a standpoint, it, it adds to the bonding experience for players. Uh, it certainly gives them something common to complain about. <laughs> you know, they'll be complaining about the heat and how much they have to hydrate. But it also, again, I think it, I think it does physically toughen, and that, and that's not to take anything away from, you know, White Sulphur Springs 
and and the Greenbrier and all that kind of stuff. You know, hey, you get in the work as best you can, and they felt like the conditions there allowed them to get in more work actually and probably quicker work because of the conditions because you didn't have to you know be as wary of guys you know getting ivs after practice and making sure that they have the proper rest during practice and the proper hydration and yet being in these conditions you know whether it's here in metairie or whether it was jackson mississippi or thibodeau the saints have had good seasons in those conditions in those training camps under those circumstances before and it's something that the players probably if they haven't already adapted to, I certainly hope that they've taken time this offseason to work out some in these kind of conditions because, you know, they got to get used to it pretty quickly. You know, it'll be interesting to see exactly uh, how much uh, IVs are, are taking place after practice. That'll be something to keep up with uh, because guys will cramp. And, I mean, they'll, it'll be difficult out there. It'll be pretty pretty brutal from time to time. Yeah, it will be. It will be. But like you said, not anything that hasn't been done before. Yeah, and- yeah. And everything else. And look, uh, Mickey Loomis pointed out um, last week. Look, let's not deny the positives of having all your all of your resources here. It's your locker room. It's your equipment yeah. room. It's your medical staff. Everything, all of your resources are are here. Um, and there's something to be said for that too. So, yeah. and look, one of the reasons initially this indoor practice facility was constructed was because of the ability to hold training camp practices here. Yes, at home. Now, will those be viewed by by the fans who are able to, to, to be able to get in on the – no. But you can still get in the work, which is probably – I'm sure it will be utilized uh, significantly uh, during those, you know, afternoon walkthroughs, uh, which the players uh, – which, which the team uh, has, has usually daily. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, practice for the most part. There are exceptions. Practice for the most part will go from – about 8.50 in the morning till 11.50 in the morning, 11.40 in the morning, something along those lines uh, here at the Oshawa Sports Performance Center. Uh, and so uh, there are, as I mentioned, exceptions. There are a handful of afternoon practices thrown in there. There's two days of practice in California with the Chargers. Uh, there are scheduled off days. There's travel as well to the other preseason games. All this can be found at NewOrleansSaints.com. Daniel Salerson, John DeShazer, Sean Kelly. This is the Black and Blue Report, our first of the new season. Football is here, and uh, we'll continue our camp preview in just a moment. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Well, the last couple of years, this particular segment of the first Black and Blue Report podcast of the year has been done outside. John and I have stood outside somewhere at the Greenbrier and kind of laid down some camp storylines uh, today inside, welcome back to Studio B and our Black and Blue Report podcast. J.D., it is that time. It's time for us to kind of lay down some of our our start of camp storylines, and, and that that can be anything. That could be particular players we're going to keep an eye on early, position groups, um, effects of the off-season program. Um, what, what would be listed at number one for you as we get started here? Well, for me, I think you have to look at the Saints uh, – 
respective offensive and defensive lines, obviously. Uh, Max Long is the center, uh, is expected to rejoin the team, hopefully by the third preseason game. But until then, um, and he's been a mainstay on this offensive line since he joined the team. Until then, Josh Larebus looks like he's going to be the guy. Now, Josh Larebus didn't play in 2016. Last time he played was 2015 for the Washington Redskins. But he's played in 16 games. He started 11 of them. He played center even though he came in the league as a guard. But he's played center at a high level. So while Max Unger is out, you figure Josh Larebus, who stepped into the offseason program and basically was a starter I, almost from the day he stepped in, it seems like, you hope and believe that he can handle the situation. He's looked pretty decent, but again, it's been OTAs and mini camp. We'll see how that goes uh, during training camp. Uh, the bigger concern is Teron Armstead, who might miss this entire season. The big concern being Teron Armstead went healthy and went on the field. It's probably a top 10 left, left tackle and maybe even, you know, maybe even top seven, top five when he's completely right. But he never was right last year. And here is, if you want to call it encouraging, Teron Armstead only played seven games last year. So basically, he played seven games. Andrews Pete started 10 games at left tackle last year, even though he's probably slotted in to be left guard. But he played left tackle at Stanford. He played left tackle for the majority of last year. So you don't feel, you know, in desperate peril if he's got to play left tackle while Teron Armstead is out. And also, when he wasn't playing left guard, when Andrews Pete was not playing left guard, then Senio Calamente started nine games at left guard. So you feel pretty secure there. It's not the ideal situation. You want Teron Armstead out there, obviously. But if you can't have him, then Andrews Pete moving, bumping out to left tackle from left guard, and then Senio Calamente coming in at left guard was a combination that worked well for the Saints last year. So they can live with that, I, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, the other concern is obviously defensive tackle Nick Fairley, who won't be playing this year. Second on the team with six and a half sacks last year, the best season of his professional life. And obviously his career in jeopardy somewhat because of his heart condition. So now where does that production come from? Uh, well, obviously Sheldon Rankins only played half a season last year, only played eight games, but he had four sacks in those eight games. And he's looking for a breakout season, Sheldon Rankins is. So you like that possibility. Tyler Davidson and De David Onyemata, two guys who also can play defensive tackle. Daryl Tapp can slide in and play some defensive tackle. Uh, you like the fact that Cam Jordan is as good as he has been. And, you know, he's in that cycle where he's probably in his prime. Cam Jordan is as dominant a defensive end as there is in the league. Now, does he have the sack numbers to show for it? No, but he's an every down guy who plays the run. He plays the pass. He does everything well, so you love that possibility. On the other side, that's where the question mark is. Is it going to be Alex Okafor? Can he be the guy to step in over there and play that position at right defensive end? Because he's going to get that opportunity. And if Sheldon Rankins is as good as he was during those eight games last year, and if Cam Jordan is as good at left defensive end as he has been for the last four or five years, then Alex Okafor might be the guy who gets a ton of one-on-ones. And he should hopefully be able to take advantage of him. Uh, so that'll be his position. But those those lines are the real concerns. Is Brandon Cooks's absence in that trade to New England, is that a big concern for the receivers? Somewhat, because you're talking about a guy who, you know, had a thousand plus yards and, you know, seven, eight touchdowns, and he was the deep threat. But Ted Ginn Jr. appears to be a guy who can fill in and take up some of that slack. And obviously, uh, you have the return of Michael Thomas, who you know set 
you know, team rookie records and receptions and receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. We know how good he is already, and he's poised to be better. And Willie Sneed is a guy who cannot be slept on as the number three receiver, number two receiver, whatever you want to call him. You put Willie Sneed in the slot, and he gives you a distinct advantage. The thing with the Saints is, you know, who's going to be the fourth receiver? Is it going to be Corey Fuller? Is it going to be um, Brandon Coleman? You know, you don't know who is going to be that solid, dependable. Is it going to be, you know, Willie, um, Tommy Lee Lewis? You know, you don't know who's going to be that dependable fourth receiver, the guy who they've been able to count on. You feel pretty good about the top three, but who's going to be behind those guys? Uh, at tight end, they need some more production. I think Kobe Fleener's going to have a big year. Yeah, he's he's going to have to. I do. He, can, he can't be the Kobe Fleener that he was last year. And last year, numbers-wise, wasn't a bad year, but it was a it was not a great it was not a good year by Saints tight end standards. So Kobe Fleener is going to have to rise up and play well or play better, be more of a factor at tight end. And that might be one of the things that helps offset the la- the loss of Brandon Cooks. Maybe you know Kobe Fleener, quote unquote, is your fourth receiver from that standpoint of a guy who's getting a lot more targets and hopefully a lot more receptions. Defensively, look, we know the Saints got to get better. Um, They've got to be better. So you draft Marshawn Lattimore at cornerback. Delvin Bro is back healthy. Uh, P.J. Williams appears to be back healthy. That gives you three really good coaches. Sterling Moore is back who started most, almost all last year. So you've really got some depth at cornerback, it seems. You hope it holds up. <laughs> You know, you hope it holds You've up. Because, said this every yeah, time, because John. every time you turn around, those guys go down, and all of a sudden now you don't have anything. So the big caveat, of course, is the big if: can guys stay healthy? Yes. That that's that's huge. Delvin broke going down last year was just started a domino effect that just kind of it, it just ravaged the secondary, and it began there. And it ended with the suspension of Kenny Vaccaro at the end of the year, and it never seemed that they could get four guys on the field for any amount of time to get the cohesion that they really needed. Every week was different, John. Yeah. Every week was different. Yeah. So, I mean, yes. if, you, if, if you're playing, you know, if you're mixing and matching every week, it's just hard to be an effective unit. So, hopefully they can keep those guys on the field. You bring Vaughn Bell. Vaughn Bell returns for a second year at safety. He and Kenny Vaccaro should be a pretty good combination. You bring back Raphael Bush at safety to help out right there because they like that three-safety alignment. And you've got your rookie, Marcus Williams, who could, who's expected to be a playmaker. You know, he was a playmaker in college. He was a ball hawk. But, you know, he's 21 years, 20, 21 years old. It's going to take a little bit of time to adapt. But look, his learning curve and Marshawn Lattimore's learning curve have to be accelerated. Those guys got to get on the field. Their first and second round picks, they're going to be playing. They're going to be out there on the field, so they got to give you something. Uh, The guy that you and I are extremely excited about is the running back, you know, Kamara. I really am looking forward to seeing how they implement him. And that, and that's, you know, of course, we hadn't talked about the big guy, you know, Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson and Mark and, and Mark Ingram at running back sharing the load. But Alvin Kamara is the guy who gives you the wow, who gives you the get him in open space against a guy and watch him beat that guy. And the Saints have been lacking that kind of guy since Darren Sproles, was traded the ghost of Darren Sproles. <laughs> I, I know it's the one position group that I would say it's a full combination of I'm excited to watch them, and there are no there are no 
I guess, battles there. It's John Kuhn, Mark Ingram, Adrian Peterson, Alvin Kamara, and maybe a Marcus Murphy. And then well, Daniel Lasko. And Daniel Lasko, but I almost I almost see him as a special teams guy who yeah. also is a running back. Not yeah. a running back who's a special teams but, guy. But that's the value he gives you is that he's a demon on special teams. Yes. And in a pinch, he can probably right. fill in and play running back. Because, you know, what we've learned from the Saints over the couple over the last few years, you need more than one running back. You need several because guys get hurt. Mark Ingram had a career year last year, and I think Mark missed a game or two. He gets hurt. Adrian Peterson was hurt last year. I mean, so guys get nicked up at that position. No doubt. All right, we are in lockstep here on our number one storyline, which is the combination, as it is with most every NFL team in this era, but as to which the detailed way that John laid it out, it's protecting the passer and getting to the passer. I think John and I are lockstep on that. There are, That's where the major storylines lie here at the start of this training camp. We'll differ on a couple of different things, but I think you touched on the highlights. I think the wide receiver core is something to watch because you're losing a guy like Brandon Cooks, but yet Ted Ginn comes in, who also helps you as a return guy on special teams, which you haven't had. You haven't had a world-class punt returner since Michael Lewis, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I know. A, I was, uh, yeah. That's a long time. I know. You you had some guys you thought. Yeah. Well, well, Sproles. I take that back. Sproles. Sproles. Yeah, Sproles. Yes. Well, yes. And again, you know, the two holes Sproles left at running back and as a and returner. As a returner. Um, the defensive backfield. We haven't talked about the um, the linebackers a whole lot. I think that I think that's one of those storylines that we're going to start to look at maybe like week two, week three. Yeah. Let's let that pan out because the other ones, the other ones, John. I think we're all in agreement are are. Are big time, yeah, and and I and I'll, I'll throw this out for the linebackers. Craig Robertson is going to be hard to get off the field. He he just does everything well. Yes, uh, I know they brought in you know AJ Klein and they brought in you know Manti Teo, and and it's hard to get Craig off the field. No, I I, <laughs> I, I if 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 on September 11th, which seems like an eternity away right now. If the Saints line up, and again, you got sub packages of this and that. But if you if you were to tell me the three starting linebackers would be AJ Klein, Craig Robertson, and Danell Ellerby, I would be more than pleased. Yeah, I would not yes. be. Yeah, I would be pleased and not shocked whatsoever. And Ellerby's another guy who's had trouble staying on the field, but when he is, it is notably different. It really is. Um, so we'll keep an eye on his health throughout the camp as well. Um, I'm with you on the importance of Kobe Fleener. I just after talking to him during Saints minicamp and watching some of the things he was doing, I think he's poised to have a very nice season. So yeah, he he and you know again it's minicamp and OTAs, but he looks more in sync. He looks better mm-hmm. in this offense. Yes. Okay. So there's plenty, and maybe maybe more so this summer than I can remember in even the last two or three. I mean, there was always major storylines and very intriguing things to look at. But, man, there's something about going into this camp that, in an optimistic way, other than my concerns about the offensive line at the moment, in an optimistic way, I think I'm I'm very eager to see this team get going here. Well, I, I think there is a distinct sense of urgency. And not to say that that's absent every year, but three consecutive seven and nine seasons, I think – the you know I don't want to say you know the 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 sirens are ringing but guys understand you know it's get it done now right now otherwise 
you know, you don't know what's going to happen employment wise throughout this organization. Well, there, there, there is that. Yeah, I mean, there I don't want to talk about that on yeah. you know July twenty fifth or twenty sixth, yeah. but yeah, yeah, but I mean that that's that, and, and I mean from from the same standpoint, I'm I'm excited. I hope, rightfully, about what this defense can be, because I you know I think we've got a pretty good feel of what the offense is going to be since two thousand six, since Drew Brees and, and Sean Payton came here. There's been a at worst, a top six offense in the league. So you figure they're going to move the ball. You figure they're going to score. Although, in if, a couple, if the center and left tackle positions the center are and left okay. tackle, yes. And, but also, let, let's not forget, a couple games last year, you got to give it up to the defense. The defense held up their end, and the offense did not. So, you know, there are going to be those random games, you know, two or three of them where the offense might struggle and not do exactly what you expect them to do. And those are the and those are the games where the defense, you know, you you don't have to pitch a shutout, but you got to shut it down just a little bit more and, and get the stops, the critical stops, to get off the field when you absolutely have to. And let's not also forget, because it did shore up toward the end of last season, special teams, uh, kicking game especially, uh, and especially field goal kicking and PATs, because they were able to shore that up yep. down the stretch. Like it was a disaster for about you know, eight, nine games, and they were able to kind of tighten it up down the stretch and make it to where it wasn't a liability. It became a strength where Will Lutz finished out the season, I think, making, you know, 10, 15 consecutive field goals, got into a rhythm. Uh, they were able to get the snap, hole, kick, uh, function down. So, you know, hopefully that's not something to have to worry about again this year. I'm not. There's no kicking competition. We already know that. But – and I'll say this, Will Will's – kicks during OTAs and minicamps looked outstanding. It's yes. clear some things were tweaked and whatnot. It looks different. It sounds different. It's better. So that's good. By the way, the schedule is brutal. That's going to have an effect. We'll talk about that as we get closer to the regular season. All right, so there's a lot to go on there. Real quick before we end the segment, and I know we've gone along, but there's so much to talk about. Some of the best fun in camp is, A, there's going to be somebody who jumps up out of nowhere and makes this team. That's kind of – that's become – a regular thing we don't we don't know but just keep an eye on that other than that john give me three or four of the newcomers whether it be in the rookie class or that you've acquired through free agency that you'll you, you won't be able to help yourself but look at them here early well you've got to focus on Larebus at center because even though the optimist says max unger will be back by the third preseason game if he's not Josh Larebus is all of a sudden extremely critical uh, to what you want to do offensively. Um, rookie class, we've mentioned tomorrow already. I want to see Marcus Williams play in center field because he seems to have not just the not just the athletic ability, but you hope the instincts. Now he's going to have to go through a ton of film study, but he seems to have the instincts and and the ability to matched up to be able to get to some footballs in the air, and I, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that from him um, because the Saints, let's face it, over the last three years have not forced enough turnovers. And you've got to be able to take the ball away. You can't just say, okay, we're going to get a stop on third down. Sometimes you got to get off the field in two downs. Sometimes you got to turn it over. Fair, <laughs> yes. And so he's a guy who hopefully will be able to assist in that. And also Alex Okafor is a, is a guy who's got a spotlight on him because he's the newcomer on that defensive line. And, again, if Sheldon Rankins does what you think he can and if Cam Jordan th does what you think he can 
and the combination of Tyler Davis and David Onyemata, and especially be on the lookout for Onyemata because you know these guys rave about his strength and his ability, just raw ability to be able to collapse stuff in the middle. And if he can do that, then Alex Okafor should have some freedom on the right side. Now, he's going to have to beat that dude. <laughs> Whoever it is, he's going to have to beat him because Cam Jordan is the guy who's drawing all the double teams and all the chips. So Alex Okafor should not have a free path to the quarterback, but there should be a lot of one-on-ones for him. And he's got to be able to take advantage of them. So if they're going to apply some pressure to the quarterback, yes, you apply it up the middle a lot. But if you got that guy on the edge who can take that pressure off and maybe force teams after a while to say, you know, we got to pay a little bit more attention to this guy. And maybe he can draw some of that attention away from Sheldon Rankins, who we hope is healthy and and all that good stuff, and draw some of that attention away from Cam. The, the, The defensive line could be a surprise. So hopefully he's able to beat that guy one-on-one because if he's not, then the Saints are pretty much where they were last year with where they, they have a hole over there. Can Haoli Kakaha be counted on to do that? That I don't know if that's realistic. I don't even know if that's fair for a guy who's had three ACL tears. Um, can you sub out and maybe slide – Danell Ellaby over there from time to time because Danell Ellaby showed some ability to rush the passer, but he's doing that as a blitzing linebacker, not as a guy who's on the end consistently. Right. So, you know, how do you how do you remedy that situation? Does Daryl Tapp get more snaps? You, you just don't know, but Alex Okafor is going to be critical to me. All right. Well, if we were at a bar, um, this conversation would go on and on, and there would be plenty of beers because that's how much is sitting here yeah. <laughs> in front of us as training camp begins. Um Obviously, again, black and blue report. You'll hear uh, analysis, in-depth interviews, all that as we go along through camp. But, of course, so much coverage each and every day on NewOrleansSaints.com. Okay, Pelicans, uh, we got to talk on that. Daniel is going to jump back into the conversation. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just ran into Rajon Rondo the other day. It's kind of strange to see him here in New Orleans with the Pelicans' colors on. But that's that's I saw it with my own eyes, and that's just one piece uh, of the off-season story. So we're going to take a, lo- a little look here at the Pels uh, before we get out of here on this Wednesday. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. This is Anthony Davis, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. All right, New Orleans Pelicans uh, here on this Black and Blue Report, our first show of the season. Uh, new uniforms. All right, great. There you go. Um, schedule will be out on the 8th, I think, of August. No, there really is a lot to talk about. Uh, still here in Studio B at the Osher Sports Performance Center with Daniel Salerson and John DeShazer, Sean Kelly. As I mentioned, Rajon Rondo now in the fold. Um, just one of several offseason changes here for the Pelicans as they, much like the Saints, have this sense of urgency to them. And uh, that's what's going to make, I think, the next 10 months rather intriguing on both sides of campus here. So Rondo's in. Yeah. You like, I can live with it. I mean, I, here's, here's the thing. If, if 
if Rondo's playing point, because is that gonna be the slogan for the season? I can live with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I do like him as a distributor. Now, you know, we've seen Rondo over the years, and unfortunately, he's not a guy that that scores well. He, you know, and you and that's a position that scores in the NBA nowadays. The point. Uh, he is a fantastic distributor, and hopefully, uh, with the Pels playing the way they want to play, I guess up and down. You know, we know we've heard Boogie's lost some weight, so you know, I guess he's ready to get up and down the court too. Hopefully, it, it will be a good chemistry experiment with him at the point and Drew at the two, Drew Holiday, and basically, you do have that two point guard element where you know you get it off the glass, and you know you've got now you've got four guys basically who can push it: Rondo, Drew, AD, and Boogie. All those guys can take a rebound. You know, you can get a rebound and push it. You know, they don't necessarily have to kick it to a guard. Do you want to put it in Rondo's hands? Of course. He's a guy who protects the basketball extremely well and distributes. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I do like the addition from, from the playmaking standpoint, from the standpoint of a guy who, when you get into your set offense, can direct people and put them in the proper positions and who is a forceful personality, we have heard. So hopefully he will be a forceful personality in the right way. Yeah, I think uh, his ball distributing is something that you mentioned that I think he's been good at. And I think now having Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins down there, the lobs that you might see or the passes you might see from Rondo down to those two guys will be very exciting. And then defensively, I think Rondo brings a, a pretty good defensive uh, reputation with him here. And add that with Drew, uh, with the guards, you have AD and Boogie down low. And with Solo at the wing, I mean, defensively, um, this team's going to be pretty good this year. Yeah, you spent big money on, on Drew Holiday. Um, yes. And now, you know, you, you, you'd say that they're making their case that they have their big three um, with Cousins, Davis, and, and Holiday. And, and some were saying, wow, you spent all that money on Drew, and now you going to slide him over the two. That seems like a lot of money for the two guard. I, I just think that, look, I think the day one or, or the, the notable lineup or the closing lineup is going to be Rondo's at the one and Drew Holiday's at the two. But, look, as you said on the football side earlier, if injuries happen – you have two legitimate point guards on your roster. Yeah. Um, Drew is a true combo guard. I think defensively, let's not forget, Rondo was all defensive three or four times. Yeah. So, look, I, you're building on a defensive team that was not too shabby last year, and I think you've got one of the better defensive um, backcourts in the NBA. Already the front court is what it is. Um, Solomon Hill. See, here's the deal. I need to know where Quincy Pondexter is. And then I'll have a real good handle on things. If Quincy Pondexter cannot continue his basketball career, Solomon Hill is obviously your starting small forward. And that's okay, but at the same time, that takes away from this still this lingering need for shooting. Um, so when I know more about Quincy, I'll know more about this basketball team. And I like the way Quinn Cook played in the summer league a little bit. I don't read diddly squat into summer league, but – I think Quinn Cook is one of those guys with a chance to be maybe the now backup point guard, the old Tim Frazier role. Yeah. I think he's going to grow leaps and bounds. And kind of like we were talking about with some of the young Saints guys, Sheck Diallo showed that he's progressing. Again, summer league, I get it. But there's true progression with that young man. And, and, and you hope because beyond the big players we've talked about, guys, Depth will be the, the underlying storyline with this team. Yeah, you talk about the second unit. Hopefully, Sheck is a guy who can get on the floor because he's an energy player. I don't necessarily know if he's a run a play for a guy, but he's a guy who 
the way the Pels want to play, should be able to contribute. And, and I like the point guard situation from, from this standpoint. When a guy rests, and we saw it last year, uh, AD would sit and Boogie would stay on the floor, or Boogie would sit and AD would stay on the floor. Well, you can do that same thing with Rondo and Drew. And if Rondo rests, if you want to run Drew at the point, especially with the second unit, Drew and maybe Boogie Cousins running against other teams' second units, you would like to believe would be a feast for the Pelicans. <laughs> so I like that combination from that standpoint where you can flip them on, you know, flip them for one another and, and play the position. Let's not also forget the addition of Chris Finch, the assistant coach, bringing the offense from Denver that made them a top five offense last year, and Nikola Jokic playing some point center at times. And how well he did last year with Denver, I think you're going to see a lot of creativity, a lot of different lineup rotations um, this year with Alvin. And like you mentioned, we've got Etwan Moore, a great shooter that you could say when Rondo rests, Drew can move to the point, Etwan could go to the two. Who says Etwan might not play the little three when they go a little smaller and you have all three of those guys on the court at the same time. So I think there are a lot of options that Gentry has this year with the addition of Rondo. Okay. I think that in both cases, Pelicans and Saints, the roster is better than it was this time last year. Yes. Are we in agreement on that? Yes. Agree. Are we both in agreement that – are all three of us in agreement that this is this is the time? Yes. Yes? Yes. And then the last thing is this, and this is what's plagued both teams, unfortunately, the last two or three years. Health. <laughs> Health. Yeah. That's Can you, I mean, the, the team that Monty Williams took to the last playoff round for the Pelicans um, was basically left in ruin because of injuries. Mm-hmm. And then the, let's try this, let's try that, let's try that, you know, all that. Well, now now apparently you're healthy. Now you've upgraded in a couple of spots. The same goes on the Saints side. So if there was ever a year to say, here's to good health, it would have to yeah. be this for these two teams. Well, think about it. The last couple of years, the Pills have basically finished out with, and you hate to say this, but almost with, with D-League lineups uh, because of injury. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, you can get, you know, you want, 65 to 72 I would say games hopefully out of your core guys because then you can get a real evaluation you can get you can make a real push if you can get 75 78 games out of them you know whoop-de-doo man that's fantastic I I think was it Portland a couple of years ago who were the starters played about you know 79 plus all five of them was uh, yeah I yes. can't remember exactly uh, if, if we got something like that, I wouldn't know how to behave if the Pelicans got something like that. No one in the league would. That was such an <laughs> uh, you know uh, anomaly that yeah. Um, yes, there are new uniforms. Yes, the schedule will be different this year. We'll get to all that later. But yeah, anything else, Daniel? Well, let's not also forget about something that's plagued these two teams is getting off to good starts. And yes. for the oh. Pelicans, the last couple years, one and eleven, zero oh and eight, they're going to have to get off to a better start, even if it's and. Granted, also, the Western Conference, how much better the Western Conference yeah, is. a whole other show. In the Pelicans division, Chris Paul going to the Rockets. The Spurs will continue to be the Spurs. Uh, the Grizzlies lose Randolph, but they're still a team that everyone always wants to throw away, but they always come back and make the playoffs each year. And just insane with the Saints division. I mean, between Carolina, Atlanta, and Tampa Bay, I mean, it's not easy for either team. So getting off to a good start, which, of course, we'll talk about leading up to the season, is going to be crucial for yeah. the Pelicans. We don't know the Pelicans' schedule yet, at least on the Saints' side. i tell you what, if the Saints were 500 at the end of the first month, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, with the schedule laying out the way it is. Yeah, when your first game is Monday night <laughs> yeah. in Minneapolis against a really, 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 really good Vikings D. Yeah. And Sam Bradford you know, set a league record for completion percentage last year. So 
there's always that. And then in the defending <laughs> champs, then in the defending champs next week in your home opener. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So we'll talk about this as we get closer. Great stuff today, guys. Thanks. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Good stuff. Not a bad way to start another season of the Black and Blue Report. Big thanks to Sean Kelly, John DeShazer. Before we get out of here, some updated information regarding Saints training camp presented by Verizon. The Saints are announcing that all free tickets for practices on Saturday, July 29th have been distributed, which means no further tickets will be issued for that date. That day is now sold out. A very limited number of seats remain for Sunday, July 30th. Again, 8.50 to 11.40 a.m. Fans are encouraged to act now in order to secure their free tickets for this date and others throughout training camp. In order to secure those free tickets, be sure to log on to neworleansaints.com slash training camp. Tickets are available on a first-come, first-served basis. So those Fan Fest days, again, July 29th, which is sold out. July 30th, limited number of tickets available. August 5th, 6th, 12th, and 13th, with each practice running from 8.50 to 11.40. And also, those dates and times are scheduled to change due to adjustments based on weather and or football operations decisions. Again, everything needed to know about training camp, go to neworleansaints.com slash training camp. You will need a ticket prior to entry. Make sure you go on that website for all the information regarding training camps we look forward to seeing you out there all weekend long as Saturday's practice has been sold out and I guess Sunday will be not too far behind on Friday's show Jen Hale and John DeShazer will have you covered for all things related to Saints training camp as again practices closed to the uh to pu- the public but it will be open to the media so Jen Hale and John DeShazer will have some recap for you we'll also hear from Saints and Pelicans president Dennis Lausha and I'll be speaking with Jim offer from Pelicans.com. We have to have a Pelicans update here as the offseason has come and gone, even though there's still some things to uh, plan here for New Orleans as far as the Pelicans are concerned. Still plenty of talk to, and we'll kind of recap the offseason with Pelicans.com writer Jim offer. So great start to this new season. And we look forward to you to bringing some more coverage for you on Friday and throughout both seasons for the Saints and Pelicans. Again, for John DeShazer, Sean Kelly, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you on Friday. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.